Welcome to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions. The Move to Value podcast is dedicated to helping healthcare providers understand and make the transition into value-based care. We do this through conversations and the sharing of innovative ideas with experts and leaders throughout the healthcare industry. Our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team by cultivating a value-oriented, compassionate, and health-aligned community. In this episode of the Move to Value podcast, we continue our conversation about motivational interviewing with Dr. Sebastian Kaplan, a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Kaplan, as we discussed in the previous episode, there are many benefits to motivational interviewing. If a provider wants to incorporate MI into daily practice, where would a good starting point be? Well, uh, a few places to start. I mean, if people like to read, obviously there's a lot of books out there on motivational interviewing. The two main authors are, are the founders of MI are William Miller and Stephen Rolnick. And they have written many of the texts out there. And uh, it's now the, the main motivational interviewing text is now in its third edition. They're in the process of writing the fourth edition uh, currently. And so that's a, it's a it's a great book. It's it's not overly jargonized or dense with all kinds of statistics. It's it's a really approachable, easy read. Um, Guilford Press is the one that is the, the, the publishing company that has the majority of, of MI books out there, both in general and kind of in a general sense, but also there's like there's an MI in healthcare book that's out there. There's MI for all kinds of uh, you know applied uh, settings and, and problems. So that would be one. The other thing though, and is to find a um, an MI trainer, you know, like myself, or there's a you know we have a website motivationalinterviewing.org, and on that website, there are you know hundreds and hundreds of trainers all over the world, and you can reach out to somebody. And we're a very friendly, uh, you know, um, friendly bunch, and we'd be more than happy to uh, to steer people in the right direction. A lot of people go to a workshop, you know, one day or two day workshop. You know, I think there's a lot more flexibility in training now with Zoom kind of experiences and and that sort of thing but you know so there's some reading a workshop would certainly be useful but ultimately what we know about uh, about training there's been some studies done on the training of motivational interviewing specifically is that for those people who really want to get it and really want to develop proficiency with MI what what's most needed is somebody who listens to samples or examples of MI conversations that the learner is trying to trying to do and giving that person feedback. You know, getting that coached feedback is really is really the key. I've heard you mention the writing reflex. Um, would you please tell us what is the writing reflex and how can a provider avoid that trap? Yeah. So the writing reflex, this is something that uh, Miller and Rolnick uh, came up with, uh, you know, as far as a term. And uh, in writing, it's helpful to know is R-I-G-H-T. So like the word write, to get it right or to do right. Uh, so the writing reflex. And it is 
it comes from a very well-intentioned place. Any healthcare provider or any, uh, I would imagine the vast majority of healthcare providers went into whatever field of specialty that they're in at some level because they wanted to be helpful to other people. And uh, over the course of our training and our experience, we probably know a lot about what is helpful for humans to be healthy. And so the so what the writing reflex is, is when is the potential for any healthcare provider to um, to jump in really quickly in a conversation with all the reasons why a person should make a change and really kind of focusing solely on that information giving uh, or the sort of encouraging and cheerleading and all those kinds of things that are that are still that still kind of maintain that traditional hierarchy of expert patient um, you should change because I'm giving you this information or because I'm telling you slash encouraging you. So that's that's really what the writing reflex is. It's not it's not a you know a, a bad quality or a characterological flaw. It is the tendency for us to want to be helpful and sometimes to kind of rush into that without really checking in first with where the patient is in terms of their change process. What are some roadblocks to watch out for when getting started with motivational interviewing? Well, so some roadblocks to get started. Um, one roadblock would be, and, and this might be a situation where it's actually harder for someone who's more experienced because they have had a lot more uh, time to really like dedicate themselves to asking questions. And so that shift from question-centric conversation to reflection-centric conversation, that's that's a real challenge. Um, you know, nurses, physicians in particular that I've found are, are have a can just have a hard time making that shift because they're they're so well trained to ask all these excellent questions. Um, so that would be one. Um, I would say you know another another trap is you know sometimes people will even if they get the 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 kind of change in style when using reflections initially, they, when it comes time to like talk about change itself and what quote unquote needs to happen for the patient to get better, it's really easy to slip back into that, here's what you need to do kind of mindset. Now, a, pay, a, a provider might do it in a friendlier way, um, you know, MI is a much gentler, more compassionate style. They might do it in that way, um, but uh, you know, it can be so easy to slide back into the okay, and you know, we know what you need to do now, right? So you need to do X, Y, or Z, and and kind of leaving out the the evoking style, drawing out from the patient what their um, what their ideas are about it. Um, Another um, another thing that could be challenging is if you're working with patients and you've started to change your style, they may not be used to that. And so it would be something where you kind of need to be patient with yourself, uh, patient with the patients um, as you're adapting and adjusting your style because they might be more used to you being more of that expert in the room. 
Well, as providers are shifting from fee-for-service to fee-for-value, do you feel that time spent doing motivational interviewing would be considered a best practice for optimal patient care? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. Uh, you know, so yeah, that, as as far I was thinking more kind of barriers with within the provider in a way. And, you know, that, that kind of um, sort of environmental or systemic barrier for sure would exist. Um, you know, whether it's uh, feeling like you don't have enough time because you have your, you know, primary care doc has what average of seven to nine minutes per patient. And so that's another thing that you know, we feel like if we if we don't have it that much time, well, we don't have time to sit and reflect on somebody's story, even for one to two minutes, and uh, or maybe feeling like, you know, that they would need to have a lot more time to use that reflective listening style. And what we find more, more so, you know, anecdotally certainly is that there can be a lot of efficiency that comes with using motivational interviewing. Um, you know, if I spend three minutes telling a patient how they should change without finding out what their experiences are with change or where they're at with change or what they're thinking about change, I perhaps have wasted three minutes because maybe they know exactly what I'm already saying. Maybe they have, maybe they've tried these things and it hasn't worked. And I, I should know that before lecturing them on it. Um, but maybe they're just not ready for change. And the conversation would be more helpful to be focused on, on that kind of exploring what would help them get ready to change as opposed to how to change. And so we, we sometimes under the, the time crunch that many healthcare providers are in, we kind of uh, you know, unwittingly uh, waste time actually. Um, because we want to, you know, get the job done, get the patient in and out. So that would certainly be another barrier is, is the, the time pressure for sure. You mentioned empathy in healthcare in your Move to Value Summit presentation. Can you speak more on how empathy and motivational interviewing play a role in providing effective care? Right. So the word empathy is you know, it's one of these words, everyone kind of knows what it means, although it, it's also easily confused with other other words that are similar, you know, sympathy and compassion and things like that. So empathy, the way I think about empathy, the way I teach, uh, you know, students and residents about empathy is that it is a, um, a non-judgmental understanding of another person's experience. It's, it's as if you are putting yourselves in another person's shoes or seeing the world through another person's eyes. And that's, a, I'm quoting Carl Rogers there, a famous psychologist from previous century. Um, so that is the experience of empathy internally for the provider. The key thing with MI though is, is what we're trying to do is express it, express that empathy verbally. And that's where the reflection comes in. So a reflection, again, it invites a person to move on in the conversation, but it's also a way, it is the way to express empathy. Questions are great, but they don't express empathy. And we know from a lot of different research, not just research on MI, but research, you know, when researchers have looked into the impact of empathy in healthcare, 
not just in you know mental health settings, but in primary care settings and you know all kinds of other settings. And the more that patients rate their providers as empathic, the better outcomes, whether it's health outcomes or patient satisfaction scores or uh, increased comfort and confidence in talking about difficult topics. So empathy in healthcare is it's one of those things that it's you know across specialty. Um, you know, it's just something that seems to really enhance the healthcare experience. And, and empathy is, is a real central part of motivational interviewing. Um, you know, again, like that, that reflective listening is, is a way to, um, to communicate that kind of, um, human experience and, you know, human beings really appreciate being heard and listened to and not being judged. Um, and by the way, it's important to note, we're also not saying that we necessarily agree with everything that people choose to do. You know, so I can I can talk with a, a young, you know, let's say a, a teenager who harms themselves, right? Really concerning behavior, concerns a lot of adults. They're usually quite upset about different things in their life. And I can express a non-judgmental understanding about this kids experience and even about the ways in which harming themselves is helpful at some at some level that doesn't mean i endorse it or i approve it uh, or i encourage it but i can i can express an understanding of how that's something that they've resorted to at this point and also curiously explore with them what they think about change and what other ways they might consider taking care of themselves. So it's a bit about empathy there. Well, Dr. Kaplan, I appreciate your time today. Uh, You've been very generous with it, and uh, we've had a wonderful conversation about motivational interviewing. Uh, Is there anything that you would like to add to this conversation? I guess it's maybe addressing what is the most common uh, challenge or, or barrier to, to go back to that question. And that is, that is the concern about time. Um, is there enough time? Probably not. Uh, it certainly doesn't feel like there's enough time. Uh, burnout is, is for better, for worse is, you know, well, it's for better in terms of, we have shined a light on the problem of burnout in these last few years and, and COVID only, you know, brightened that light. So, and, and one of the sources of burnout for healthcare providers is just being on the hamster wheel and, and the lack of time and the pressure to do all this other stuff that they don't feel is related to actually sitting down with people and helping them. And, and so a lot of people that I train are concerned about not having enough time. And I guess, first of all, I'm not here to say that that's make-believe. So starting there. But I guess then the question is, in the time that you do have, what are the ways that you can maximize it? And and because what a lot of people think that they need to do in the short amount of time that they have is they need to get to the punchline where they deliver the answer. And I would imagine any healthcare provider that's listening to this would uh, connect with or agree with the idea that if 
if the patient doesn't leave that office with an intention or any kind of enhanced motivation to follow through on the wonderful ideas that were likely shared, then, you know, did, did that period of time, however long it, it was, did that serve a purpose? And if you, it, it doesn't require a 45 minute conversation in many instances. It can, all it can take in many instances, and there's evidence to suggest that, you know, MI is a brief intervention that only really needs a few, um, a few sessions or a few conversations to, to show greater change than maybe more traditional methods. Um, just to just, to just act as if you have more time and to almost take a breath and slow down, listen for a little bit, draw out what the other person's ideas are. And, and then there's an opportunity to, to share ideas that you have, provided that the patient is open to hearing them and doesn't have ideas of their own. And that is something that can be done in a, in a relatively brief period of time. And what you're also doing, especially for providers that see patients repeatedly over time, is you're starting to establish that relationship where the person's going to be happy to come back and likely more open to share and, um, you know, building kind of that long-term relationship that can help with change as well. Dr. Sebastian Kaplan, thank you for joining us today on the Move to Value podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions, where our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. As always, you can head over to movetovaluepodcast.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the resources in the show notes. If you are interested in continuing to hear about value-based care and how it impacts you, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, we would love it if you would share the Move to Value podcast across social media and leave a rating and review. See you next time.